You are listening to audio from First Baptist Church in Fort Walton Beach. If you would like more resources or to watch our service online, please visit fbcfwb.org. Listen in as Pastor Wade helps us abide in Christ and advance the gospel through the teaching and the proclamation of God's Word. It's the most wonderful time of the year, right? Time of celebration, a time of joy, except when you lose your joy. Anybody ever lost your joy before? Is it just me? It happened to me just recently. Um, we were putting up our Christmas tree. It was one of these new pre-lit Christmas trees that we bought last year. Beautiful. Love it. And we put it back up this year, and I could not get the top of the tree to light up. The bottom part did. The middle part the top did not. And Claire wanted me to fix it. I didn't know how to fix it. it I'll, I'll just say it got a little tense, okay? And, and in those moments, I wasn't feeling real joyous. But finally, we got the lights to come on, and all is well in the Humphreys household. But, but this is a time where we think about the wonderful reality that Christ came to earth. And we think about the joy that that reality brings. And I want to see in Luke chapter 2 how the angels announced or heralded this joy. So look there with me, Luke chapter 2. We'll begin reading in verse 1. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. You found your place, I want to ask you this morning if you're physically able to please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word. The Bible says, in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were filled with great fear. And here's our focal verse. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we pause in this moment to express our need and dependence upon you. Lord, we need you in this moment to draw near, to move by your spirit, that our eyes might be opened, that we might 
see the truths of Scripture and have the inclination to respond to those truths. So Lord, would you move in our midst? Would you transform our lives? Would you help us, Lord, to wrap our hearts around this idea of joy? And we'll thank you and praise you for that grace. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. We began a three-part series last week on Luke chapter 2, verse 10. Last week we focused on the first part of that sentence when the angels declare to the shepherds, I bring you good news. So last week we talked about the, the content of the good news, the content of the gospel. This week we're going to focus on this good news being that which produces great Joy. So this morning we'll talk about joy. And then next week we'll talk about the last part of that sentence when it says that this good news of great joy will be for all the people. And we'll discuss that next Sunday. But this morning I want to focus in on this idea of joy. Is there anything in our society that is more desired and yet more lacking? Is there anything more fervently sought out and yet so infrequently found? People want joy, but by and large, our society is not characterized by joy. And here in this text, an angel from heaven appears to these shepherds speaking on behalf of God and gives them some clues as to what what joy is truly about. Now let me give you a definition of joy so we know what we're talking about this morning. Joy is one of those words, it's hard to define, but you know it when you have it and you know it when you don't. But I've, 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 I've tried to put together some different definitions that come up with this sentence defining joy. Joy is the feeling of significant delight. Significant delight, pleasure, and happiness. Joy is a feeling of significant delight, pleasure, and happiness. That's kind of a a basic definition of joy. But here's what I want you to understand this morning. The angel doesn't just use the word joy. There's an adjective that comes before it. What's the adjective? Great joy. Great joy. And so I want to talk about what great joy consists of. Because I I believe that you can have varying degrees of joy in this life in, in, in terms of having delight and pleasure and happiness. But I believe great joy, great joy is for those that know Christ. And so what is great joy? Well, there are at least four answers to that question. First of all, great joy is the joy of divine nearness. The joy of divine nearness. Look what it says there in verse 10. The angel said to them, Fear not, behold, I bring you good news of great joy. Now, that word great is is a translation of a Greek word. And the Greek word is where we get the word mega from. So it's as if the the angel is saying, I bring you good news of mega joy, big joy. Joy, great joy. That's, that's the, the adjective being used there. And, and here's what's interesting. This is the second time in two verses that this adjective of, of great or mega or megos in the Greek is used. 
It's used in verse 9. Look what it says in verse 9. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great, megos, mega fear. So as heaven draws near, and this supernatural being, an angel, appears speaking on behalf of God, the shepherds discern this is not of this world. And they had mega fear, as you would have, as I would have. I mean, they're out in the fields at nighttime, and all of a sudden an angel shows up? I mean, that would be, uh, that would be a little bit scary. And they had mega fear, and yet the angel says, I've come to bring you, or to tell you about, mega joy. You see, what's happening here is the shepherds were offered an exchange Great joy for great fear. Now, now why did these, these shepherds have such fear as heaven draws near to earth? Well, it's because man has a basic fear of encountering the divine. All of humanity has this, this, this underlying fear of what's beyond this world. And humanity has... This innate sense, I believe it's the conscience that God gives us. It's the fact that God puts eternity in our hearts, as it says in the book of Ecclesiastes. But humanity has this innate sense that we need to be right with God. Maybe humanity's not sure what, what the concept of God's all about, but they, they basically believe that there's something beyond this world, and they basically feel the reality that they're not right with, with this God, this concept of God in their lives or in their belief system. Now, how do we know that? How do we know that all of humanity has this kind of innate sense that, that they need to be right with God? It's because wherever you go in this world, every continent, every country, every people group has a religion. They have religious beliefs. Why? Because they're trying to figure out what's beyond this world and they're trying to figure out how they can be right with this God beyond their world. And there are a lot of different answers to how they can be right with, with whatever they believe about God beyond this world. That's why you have uh, Hinduism and, and, and Buddhism and, and Islam and in these different world religions. They're trying to answer the question, how can we be prepared for what's beyond this innate sense that we're not right. We need to be right, but we're, we're not right. And everywhere you go, you see people trying to make amends with their concept of God or, or the world religion is trying to appease their God. But Christianity, biblical Christianity, tells us very clearly who the God is beyond this world. He's the one true God who spoke the universe into existence. He revealed himself through his word and through his son, Jesus Christ. And the Bible is very clear that this God who created everything, who made you and made me, is a God who is holy and perfect and righteous and just. And when you see that, that those realities about this God, you get the sense, uh-oh, I'm not perfect and righteous and holy and just. So I can't 
approach a perfect holy God. And you are exactly right. You can't. The, the Bible says in Isaiah 59 that your sin separates you from God. And we're in our sin and far from God and lost and unable to do anything about it. We can't make it to heaven. We can't step into the presence of God because of our sin. But here's the good news. The world religions say, climb the ladder. Do better. Improve yourself. Keep the rules. Keep the belief system. Climb your way to God. Biblical Christianity says you can't climb to God. You're not good enough. But here's the good news. God came to you. And that's what's happening here. God has sent an angel to say, I am drawing near. I am sending my son to make a way for you to have a relationship with me. You see, we cannot approach God, but he came near to us to make a way for us to draw near to him. Let me say that again. We cannot approach God in and, of our, in and of ourselves because of our sin. But God came near to us in the incarnation to make a way for us to draw near to Him. Have a relationship with Him. And so in this announcement, God is basically saying, you don't have to remain in great fear when heaven draws near. You can experience the great joy of actually knowing this God. An exchange. Great fear for great joy. Now, there's no question that when we become Christians, we're called to fear God. But the fear there is not terror. The fear of God for the Christian is this, 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 this reverence and awe. Adrian Rogers says that the fear of God for the Christian is love on its knees. We know Him. We love Him. We've been reconciled to Him. We've been forgiven by Him. We have a relationship with Him. And we stand in awe of His, of his power and His holiness and His love and His mercy and His grace. Right? But joy, great joy, is the joy of divine nearness. We don't have to live in terror of the God of the universe. We can know Him personally. And be close to Him. So what is great joy? It's the joy of divine nearness. Secondly, it's the joy of a personal gift. The joy of a personal gift. Look what it says in verse 10. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. What's this good news entail? We talked about this a little bit last week, but look in verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now I want to show you a couple things in verse 11 which are highly significant. First of all, notice he says, unto you is born this day. Now I believe there's is an aspect where the you here speaks of all of humanity because Jesus came to die for the sins of the world, but but who's the immediate you? Who's he talking to? Talking to shepherds. Out in the field at night, watching over their sheep. And then he says to the immediate you in verse 12, this will be a sign for you. Speaking specifically to the shepherds now, because look what it says next. 
you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. So the angel says, there's this Savior who is Christ the Lord. Don't miss this. And he's for you. He's a gift for you. And and I'm going to give you a sign. A sign for you. So you can see the Christ child and know that this is the one who God has sent. You know the shepherds are experiencing here? They're experiencing the fact that the God of the universe had taken notice of them. And was giving them, offering them an unimaginable gift. Now remember who the shepherds were. They they didn't have a lot of social status. In fact, many despised them and looked down upon them. The upper crust of society believed shepherds were just smelly because they were around smelly sheep all the time. They would even tell them that. Didn't have a lot of money, didn't have a lot of resources. They're shepherds. And yet God sends an angel to shepherds to say, I'm giving an unimaginable gift. And this gift is for you. And the shepherds experience the great joy of this gift. You see, Jesus is the greatest gift that has ever been given. And receiving him is joyous. I, um, I like the, the process of gift giving and gift receiving at Christmas time. I think it's special. In fact, in our Bible study this morning, we talked about our most memorable Christmas gift through the years as kind of an icebreaker. And, and, and it, it's, I think it's important to give and receive gifts, you know, within reason. We don't want to get carried away with it, but it's, it's important. And, and, and what we try to do is on Christmas morning, when it's time to, to open the gifts and the kids are excited, and we, 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 take a, we take a moment and we read Luke 2 or maybe Matthew 1. We read or maybe a, a, a Christmas uh, book. And, and uh, we'll just take a few moments and, and read about the birth of Jesus. And, and we like to say at that moment, right there before we open presents, Opening these presents is a reminder that God has given us a gift. The greatest gift that's ever been given and His name is Jesus. Amen? I like what New Testament scholars Hendrickson and Kistenmacher say. What greater joy could there be than the realization and wholehearted acceptance of the fact that God himself, through the sacrifice of his one and only son, had brought about the solution of the world's greatest problem, that of sin, and was not the son's incarnation, the fact that he came to earth, the first step in this solution. And so, the shepherds here experience the joy of a personal gift. Jesus was for them. And here's what I want you to walk away with this morning. Jesus is for you. If you'll accept him, he's for you. God sent his son for you. The greatest gift that's ever been offered. 
There's a third answer to this question, what is great joy? It's the joy of personal experience. The joy of personal experience. Now, fast forward a little bit farther into the text. Look in verse 15 of chapter 2. Verse 15. Notice how the narrative unfolds. After one angel comes and declares the good news of great joy for all the people, then the host of heaven appears and sings glory to God in the highest. And you can imagine how incredible this would have been for the shepherds. And it says in verse 15, When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they had made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God. Watch this. For all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Not only... Do the shepherds get to hear the announcement of the Savior's birth? They get to go see the Savior in a manger, wrapped in swaddling cloth. They get to have a personal experience with Jesus. The shepherds were enabled to experience Jesus personally. Listen, and so are we. That's one of the joys of the Christmas season. That as, as, as Christians, we are recognizing the fact that, that Jesus came to earth and took on human flesh and lived a perfect life and died on the cross for our sins and rose from the grave to give us forgiveness and eternal life, to reconcile us to God. And when that happens, when we embrace Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior, we enter into a personal relationship with God, we get, listen, we get to walk and talk and experience the unfailing presence of Jesus in our lives. The shepherds saw Jesus with their physical eyes. We get to see Jesus with eyes of faith. And our experience of a personal relationship with God produces great joy. Even though we don't see Jesus physically, we, we experience him by faith. And listen to what it says over in 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter writes, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, you believe in him. And listen, rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and full of glory. Wow. Just like the shepherds, we get to experience Jesus. And even though we've not seen Jesus with physical eyes, we rejoice with joy that is inexpressible. We rejoice with, listen, great, great joy. I hope that this Christmas season you will be reminded of the great joy that comes from experiencing a personal relationship with Christ. A personal encounter, a personal experience 
with Christ. Sometimes when we've been saved a while, we forget how, how wonderful it really is to walk and talk with Jesus. I read a story about a pastor named Tom Wallace who used to pastor in Maryland. And one Sunday the people were gathering for worship and a man walked in the back door and they've never seen the man before. He never attended before. He was a, a, a guest and, and no one knew him. And the way Wallace tells the story, he walked in and began to look around like, wow, look at this place. And he walked all the way down to the second pew. He was very close to the front. And he was on the edge of his seat the entire service. There, people were singing. And he was listening intently. The preacher started preaching. He began to, began to lean in, hanging on every word that the preacher said. And at the end of the sermon, the invitation time came. And the pastor began to say, if, if anyone here wants to receive this free gift of eternal life through Jesus. And he started, he started to raise his hand. Like me, yeah, yeah, I do. And they stood up and they began to sing. And the man immediately came out of the second pew and came down to the pastor. pastor. pastor began to talk to him about the gospel and about you know placing his faith and trust in Christ and Jesus being his Lord and Savior. And the man said, yes, that's what I want to do. Yes, yes. And on that Sunday, the baptistry had been filled up with water. And so the pastor talked to him for a moment and said, you know... Uh, we can baptize you today. We've got uh, water in the baptistry. And he explained to him a little bit about what baptism meant. And the man said, yes, yes, I want to be baptized. So they took him up into the baptistry. People kind of hung around for a bit. And the and, uh, man came out of the water with the pastor. And the pastor baptized him. Now remember, this man was a brand new believer. It seems as if he would not been around church very much. He didn't have a, a Baptist vocabulary yet. And he comes out of the water and he said this. Hot dog, hot dog, hot dog. <laughs> what was he experiencing? Joy. Great joy. He had walked in the room that morning, that morning far from God. And now he knew Jesus personally. And the joy just welled up in his life. Which leads to number four. What is great joy? It's the joy of divine nearness. The joy of a personal gift. The joy of personal experience. But fourth and last, the joy that is unshakable. The joy that is unshakable. Look back with me in Luke chapter 2, verse 19. Mary gives birth to Jesus on this night born of a virgin. She experiences shepherds coming to see the Christ. And it says that Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. That's a sermon in and of itself. We'll do that one day. Look in verse 20. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Where did they return to? They returned to their flock. 
They were turned to being shepherds. They were given the privilege of hearing the angelic announcement. They were given the privilege of going and, and laying their eyes on the child, the Christ Jesus. But there's no indication that their status in life changed. We don't hear from the shepherds again. It seems as if they just continue shepherding and experiencing the hardships and the difficulties and the challenges that come with being a shepherd. The life situation of the shepherds did not change. They were still on the lowest rung of society. They were still despised by the cultural elite. They probably were still struggling to make ends meet. They kept on being shepherds. And yet, they're experiencing great joy. What's happening here? We're learning that this great joy that comes through Jesus is not a joy that ebbs and flows with the circumstances of life. They were still shepherds. And they had great joy. You see, the saving work of God in our lives through Christ gives us consistent joy whatever our circumstances. Or let me say it like this. The joy that comes from being reconciled to God... The joy that comes from knowing Christ. The joy that comes from being born again. The joy that comes from being redeemed. The, the joy that comes from being saved is a joy that nothing and no one can take from you. It's a joy that remains no matter what the circumstances of life are. It's a deep, abiding joy. Because you know, Whatever's happening in your life, you still have Jesus. You know, however life turns out, you go to heaven when you die. You know that whatever you're going through, God has promised to never leave you nor forsake you. You know that in the midst of the difficulties and deprivations and hardships of life, you have the greatest gift ever. You have Jesus. And you've heard me say this before. But if you have everything, but you don't have Jesus, you have nothing. And if you have nothing, but you have Jesus, you have everything. Amen? You have a joy that is unshakable. A joy that is greater than the circumstances you are going through in your life. I'm not saying that circumstances cannot be hard and difficult and that we go through some, some valleys and we deal with some very difficult things. Maybe some in this room right now are walking through some difficult things. We, we heard about Rex this morning and, and, and those who went through the, the tornado and lost everything. And, and, and those are hard circumstances. No question. Hard circumstances. But God offers us a joy that remains even when life falls apart, because you know I still have Jesus. And listen, Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. J. Edwin Orr writes this, Christian joy is no mere gaiety that knows no gloom. 
but is the result of the triumph of faith over adverse and trying circumstances, which instead of hindering, actually enhance it. In other words, the harder life gets, the more brightly joy shines to give us perspective and peace in the midst of the challenges. So, so listen, great joy is joy that, that life can't take away from you. If your joy comes and goes based upon what's happening in your life, that's not great joy. Great joy is a deep abiding joy that remains even through difficult times. There's a really moving letter written by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German pastor who, during the rise of Hitler and the Nazis, resisted that regime. He actually did a little bit of spying, uh, trying to help the resistance, those resisting the Nazis. And he continued to preach and, and lead his people. And he was a mentor to many other pastors in Germany. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer knew what was coming. He knew that because of his pastoring, because of his stand for what is right, he knew that he would be killed. He knew he would be martyred, and he was. He was arrested, and he was murdered by the Nazis. But Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote a letter to a group of young pastors it would be the last letter that he wrote before he was arrested. He knew what was coming. You know what the theme of the letter was? Joy. Joy. He, he was reminding them that in Christ, there is a joy that the Nazis can't take away. That, that no matter what happens, God is with us. And no matter what happens... When we step out of this life, we step into heaven and we'll be with him forever. And he wanted to remind those pastors as you lead your congregation in the midst of this, of, of this, of this gloom, this darkness, don't forget to point them to joy that is unshakable. So I ask you the question this morning, do you have mega joy? Do you have great joy? Thank you for listening. We pray you've been encouraged and inspired by God's word. May the Lord richly bless you.